we're back back for another pod back after oklahoma uh kind of trounced arkansas state in week one back before smu and i'm back with garen emig shortly like less than seven days after the what you picked tcu to win the big 12 title and mm-hmm. i picked clemson for the college football playoff so garen what does that tell anybody here who is going to listen to us talk about football with our expertise for the next 30 minutes this doesn't have to be about football right we we don't have to stick to football every week we do this Maybe we shouldn't given our early track record in 2023 what do they say about the first week man you can pass no final judgment based on one game i i still have faith in both the frogs and the lsu tigers who i picked mm-hmm. not that you brought it up who i picked to make the playoff well, that's going to come up later, but we're back. Another episode of the Letterman Jacket. Uh, OU, 1-0. We were both in Norman uh, on Saturday, and we saw Oklahoma really tear through Arkansas State. To me, maybe the biggest story of the day, not Oklahoma-related, was just how bad Arkansas State looked. That really <laughs> surprised me. Uh, I, I think most people would have expected the outcome, but mm-hmm. from minute one, just how easy it looked for Oklahoma. And you heard Butch Jones afterward. And I actually covered Bush Jones briefly in Jonesboro back in the day of about three years ago. And uh, it was the most candid he'd ever been, just mm-hmm. basically saying this. Sounded a bit like Brian Kelly saying this is not the football team I thought we had, except at a very different level and on a very different day. Um, but, we're, you know, we're not going to harp too much. The game was a few days ago, but we were there. So we're just going to run through a few, you know, kind of what struck you, lingering questions, and what we enjoyed most on the day. And I'll start on what struck me. Uh, about Oklahoma's opener, and it's an easy place to start, and all of this should be with a grain of salt because of what we saw from Arkansas State. But it was the quarterback play. Um, I, I thought Dylan Gabriel was really sharp on a day that, you know, he didn't he didn't have to be to make a statement and to open in a certain way, but didn't hurt that he was really good and and looked again against an Arkansas State secondary that you know we'll see how it translates these next few weeks and months, but. Um, he was more accurate than he was last year. He he seemed in control and he looked really good. And, you know, if, if there's going to be a portion of the fan base there at Owen Field waiting to start chanting for Jackson Arnold, certainly didn't hurt the way he got started. And then Jackson Arnold came in and, and looked really impressive himself. Um, he was poised. He was calm. Uh, he threw well. He ran well. I know, you know, Barry Trammell, our colleague, wrote a column about you know, compared to Blake Bell and that the, this could be their goal line quarterback and thing like that. But a good start for the quarterback play, good start for the offense. And, and I think that's all you could ask for if you're an OU fan. Yeah, um, we talked about this last week, Eli, that really Oklahoma needs to be concerned with Oklahoma. And that even goes for this weekend against SMU. And, and part of that is they, they even if, you know, they, they play well, they're going to beat SMU. This is a better team than Arkansas State, a better opponent, there's no doubt. But if the Sooners play well, they're going to be 3-0 and coming out of non-conference and going into the Big 12, which is exactly where they were a year ago. And if there's a lesson we learned from a year ago is don't go overboard on how a team looks out of the gate, uh, that you get all caught up in this romantic idea that Brent Venables was the, the right man at the right time for, uh, for the right job, and then all of a sudden, it's, uh, you know, 10 weeks later and the team is suffering a uh, six and seven losing season. And so what you want to see is not so much the final score if you're an OU fan. And that, that went for Saturday and then we'll go for uh, this weekend against SMU and beyond at Tulsa. But some things that the team did 
that it didn't do uh, when last we saw it a year ago. And the things that popped out to me, if if, Ar- if, the, if Arnold's and Gabriel's performances were sort of the headliners or Jaden Gibson's two circus catches were, right, or the, the uh, Kanai Walker forcing the, the fumble by ripping the ball away from the, uh, the guy who had it for Arkansas State. Uh, the, the other things that we needed to look for were consistent blocking by the line, by the offensive line, whether the tackles, the new tackles, Tyler Guyton and Walter Rouse could pick up where Anton Harrison and Wanya Morris left off a year ago. You wanted to look for even, even on a thunderbolt like Gavin Freeman's 82-yard punt return, and you wrote about Gavin uh, before leaving the stadium Saturday night, is dynamic a play that Freeman made. There were two blocks that, that, that occurred in route that, that should have, I think, got just as much attention because, again, the, those went into the file of little things that you look for a team doing. Shane Witter had one at the outset of the return, and then he got one from – it wasn't Marcus Major, but he wore number 24. <laughs> Come on. And, since, and since I don't have a roster in front of me, and since the portal and, and newcomers jack with, uh, with, with, with old habits and references, I'm just going to call him the other number 24 and, and, uh, and apologize to the kid. Right. And fix that next week. But the point being, it was two really well-executed, well-drilled, well-technique blocks that got Freeman going on that punt return. And that's what you want to see if you're an Oklahoma fan. You want to see stride-for-stride coverage on a a deep ball. If Arkansas State's quarterback couldn't complete a pass between uh, me and the water fountain 10 feet away from me here at Owen Field, well, that's, that's Butch Jones' problem. Forget that from an OU perspective. How is the coverage? Right. And the coverage was good um, uh, consistently uh, on Saturday. So good that you couldn't even find Samuel Omasigo's name. You, did, you, didn't know, you didn't know that either until you just while I was it's rambling, not. you looked There's it up no and you, you have no way of knowing that. None at all. Um, you threw What's his, his name? Say it one more time. Say it one Sam more time. I don't don't test me on the pronunciations. Our, our buddy Eric Bailey. It's one thing I, I got those down. And I got this one down. And that was the biggest play of his college career to date. I mean, it was his college debut. So there you go. And you couldn't even bother to, to find his number. I'll be yeah. writing Sam's family. a. I'll, I'll be sending them a, a gift basket and writing a heartfelt letter of apology Good. after this podcast. Well, that's some of what we kind of learned the other day. What questions do you still have? I mean, there's a million. But if, if you came away with, with any one concrete one, um, can be specific. But, but what, what are you still left wondering about? Are, is the OU fan base going to be able to control itself over the Jackson Arnold hype? Let's start there. Right? <laughs> That's plenty reasonable because he looked good. I mean, you know, they they talk a lot about layups in this system. Yeah, you know, Jack Levy loves that word, and they certainly um, they gave him plenty. That's not to diminish, but you know, he he kind of he made the throws. I, I think what you'd say yeah. he was good and he was sharp. He ran well. Uh, you know, afterward we were talking to Jackson and he kind of told him explained that uh and, and jeff levy had given some insight into this too um was that he kind of wanted to get roughed up and jeff levy wanted him to get roughed up and they were on the sidelines before the second or third series one of them he, he ran pretty heavily and i guess they were on the sideline phone talking and jeff levy said you know or uh, jackson said i'd like to take a couple hits and jeff said we can do that for you no problem and so that that was kind of the cool confidence in in the whole thing from him it was an impressive debut. I liked afterward he got asked by someone uh, in the media contingent, you know, what what distinguishes you from Dylan Gabriel? What, what makes you different? What do you do better than him? And he kind of, you know, I, I wasn't surprised by this, but backed away a bit and just said, 
we're pretty similar. There's not things, there's no things that are different really. I, I think Jackson might've been a little humble. I think he can run a bit better. He's bit, a bit bigger, but um, he's very committed to this process. And I, you know, I've learned that when I reported on him in the past, talked to folks in his life and you hear from Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel, he's committed to his role right now and the thing he's doing right now. And I, he more than anything passed his first test uh, against Arkansas state. As a result, your question stands, how long are people going to be patient about it? Uh, perhaps only as long as Dylan Gabriel's accuracy kind of holds up. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to be curious to, to see about the injury status of the two guys that got nicked up a little bit. Drake Stoops, who had four catches. Like he was early on. I mean, it was the second series of the game. He came yeah. on. It felt like he was out there a lot longer, but um, four catches for 50 some odd yards, I think, in the first two series, including a touchdown. Yeah. And came off hurt. And then yeah. Bella, you mentioned. Yeah. Um, I guess we heard from Brent Venables this morning recording on a Tuesday. Uh, they thought they feared maybe a high ankle sprain. It wasn't that. But we saw Desan in a boot on his left foot Saturday. Mm -hmm. Saw him again in one in practice uh, last night. Mm -hmm. So those are, are the two question marks. Davis Bevel, of course, as well. Um, yeah. Uh, Going to be out maybe a week or two. And uh to kind of a nasty hit, but the, the, those first two, Desamo, oh. Drake Stoops, are the important ones. Yeah, real quick, and not just because the fact that they're going to play big roles for him. Don't don't let the depth chart distract you. I credit Justin Harrington for getting the start at the cheetah position ahead of McCullough, but that guy is going to matter, right? He's too good a player not to make a difference in Oklahoma this year. I'm talking about McCullough. He'll play a lot if he's healthy. And the thing about ankles and the thing about shoulders Stoops has a shoulder injury, McCullough an ankle injury is those are sort of tender joints, right? And if you if you even if as coaches and staff at Oklahoma downplay the significance short term of both injuries, it's something to remember moving forward because shoulders and ankles tend to heal uh, fussily. If they if I can apply That's that a good word, is yeah, that I, I'm look. I was I was going to pull an adverb out of yeah. out of uh, my you know freshman year English class at Booker T, but um, I'll go with fussily. So I, I'm not saying ACL, that that of course means we're having a whole different discussion. I am saying that considering the importance of both those players to OU's fortunes on both sides of the ball, just something to uh, to file away for future reference. That's all. Well, Fusili is a nice pasta shape if you've ever indulged. No, I have no idea what you're talking, no idea what you're talking about. No, one of these days, one of these days. That's a Gen Z. It must be a Gen Z uh, food food oh, yeah. uh, staple. Okay. You, you guys well, eating a lot of you, you guys eating a lot of fusilli. See, when I when I was growing up, Eli, we called it pasta. Well, it's a pasta type. It's like spaghetti or bucatini <laughs> or linguine and fusilli. Come on, you're showing off, man. It's all you're doing. That is all you're doing. Well, uh, <laughs> you you are right. You know, you made that point about Sam McCullough. Surely he's going to be important. I think what would fascinate me, they weren't on the field a lot together because Desan McCullough uh, didn't last all that long in this game before he came off injured. Right. You're going to see both of those guys at Cheetah. I'm maybe most intrigued for whatever for, you know, scheme and setup that has them both out there. Maybe one in, in a Cheetah role. But you sure. guess there, like Harrington maybe plays it because he's got the coverage range uh, in his back pocket. But Desan McCullough is a guy that's different than anything they had a year ago in terms of that versatility as a linebacker. I mean, he'll play Cheetah, but I, I think we know he can play up on the line. We know he can play linebacker. He can drop into coverage. 
that to me feels like an X factor type of weapon. I, you know, Justin Harrington's going to fit that role really well. They don't have many guys and they didn't have many guys last year or any like Desan McCullough. And so it is, you know, that's going to be a spot to watch this defense that is so much riding with it. And a lot right now, great momentum. A lot of that rests on those shoulders. And, and so they're going to need uh, to see where he's at, whether it's this week and, and maybe managing, you know, when you really need him. Do they need him for SMU in Tulsa? Right. We don't know the details or anything like that, but we know when they will need him. Yep. And so I'll be curious to see how they manage it. Uh, Garen, this morning we were with Brent Venables, uh, what, like 12 hours, a little, little, little more than that after Clemson, um, his old stomping ground to took a right old beating on the Duke football field. That's a rarity there. Usually happens in Cameron indoor, not, right. at, uh, was it Wallace Wallace Wade, Wallace Wade stadium. Uh, not you would have known, you would have known that if you hadn't gone and checked fuselage as your, <laughs> as your pasta. Well, anyhow, Brent's old old buddy Dabo Sweeney uh, kind of got they, the Clemson. My CFP pick got handed a, a big old slice of humble pie. Yes, and what a lot of folks kind of came out and said afterward, and, and pointing out a lot of things. In addition to Garrett Riley, Lincoln's brother, not having a sterling debut there um, as an offensive coordinator, was the fact that Dabo is has kind of stiff armed the transfer portal, and while so many other coaches have welcomed it, and we saw it on the opening weekend of the college football season, mm-hmm. uh, see Deion Sanders, uh, most of all, see Florida State. Uh, that, that Clemson has, has basically stiff-armed this thing that everyone else has, has, to some degree, embraced. And maybe it's showing, and you you kind of peppered Brent on uh, his philosophy, and yeah. you were very tactful. Um, but but he, he's had some interesting stuff to say about the portal, and, and for a team that itself has has certainly used the portal in the last 20 months to, to revamp this program a bit. At OU. Right. And I, I wrote about the topic. Uh, check it out. Selloutcrowd.com. GarenEmig.com, by the way. We're, we're not above shilling. We won't. We, no, not even close no. to above shilling. We'll be shilling for a while here at Sellout Crowd until everyone gets used to us. But, yeah, no, that was something I wrote about today, Eli, is that it, it felt like a, a pretty decent time to, to revisit uh, the, the, issue, the topic with Venables. And, again, he's, he's made his feelings public. This wasn't the first time he mentioned that, there are things he was he didn't like about the portal and 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 sort of knee jerk to old school ideas of sticking it out right and and not not making a rash uh, decision and the grass isn't always greener and and you know I think the way he put it was this is me as a fifty two year old having perspective that maybe eighteen nineteen and twenty year olds don't and that's fine and I don't blame Venables for going there I I, I salute his, his principles I he's he's one of many coaches who who believe that. Um, if, if, if entitlement's too strong a word, that's a word that I think Mike Gundy uses a little bit in, in Stillwater, friend, old friend of yours. Um, it's it's a feeling, right? Coaches feel that there's that the portal um, has only amped up the sense of, of entitlement, NIL for that matter, as, as well. But anyway, um, so, but there's a fact that it's affecting games, right? Uh, if Colorado doesn't beat TCU without not just Deion Sanders being coached, but without Deion bringing in, you know, 49 transfers, including a couple of pretty good ones with him from, from his old job at Jackson State. Maybe Clemson is able to handle Duke if Dabo Sweeney has more than one transfer on his roster. I, I don't cover Clemson, so I'm not tracking the numbers over there. But according to those who do, the only transfer that Sweeney brought in in, in this past offseason was a quarterback from Arizona State who I'd never heard of. He's, he's the backup to Klubnik 
at Clemson. And so that, I think, the way the game is played anymore, Eli, catches up with the guy even as one is established and successful as Dabo Sweeney. And so what, what I'm asking Brent Venables is for not just your personal feelings on the portal, which, again, he's publicized, not real comfortable with it, clearly, but that you have to you have to use the tool and adapt. And he's, I think, finding the balance there, right? Uh, we saw it in the, in the OU starting lineup against Arkansas State. Three of the defensive linemen who, who started the game were playing elsewhere a year ago. That just happens to be the soft spot from OU's defense, maybe OU's roster, during the 6-7 and seven 2022 campaign. He's, um, he's starting Andrew Anthony at, at wide receiver, guy from Michigan. His, right, his left tackle is uh, Walter Rouse from Stanford. And so coach doesn't have to agree with everything that goes into kids jumping into the portal, but they can't, right? They can't ignore it, and they can't just rely on an organically developed program anymore, not the way the game has changed, and expect to have the same results. That's the point, and I think OU fans can, can be – happy with the fact and comfortable with the fact that, that Venables is finding a median between his personal feelings and how the portal can benefit him professionally. And that's that was the, the point of the questions and the point of the column I just filed. I think that's what you'd want to hear if you're an OU fan, because in a sense, without getting too dramatic, but at Clemson, it's a fan base and a program being held hostage to a degree by someone mm-hmm. who's not willing to at least find that balance, right? You can have the feelings and, and I, you know, I like Brent used a different term, you know, entitlement comes up and, or particularly when you're up in Stillwater with Mike Gundy, this generation, that's how a lot of sentences start this generation. Yeah, right, right. What Brent said today, you know, what struck me, he said, we don't give them a lot of chances to pause. And he's right. And there's also, there's not, there's a lot of opportunities not to pause. If you're not happy in a situation, portal's right there. And we see it Mm -hmm. every year. We see success stories, uh, you know, no one's done a proper accounting of this, but I would guess more stories that don't end well. Just, you know, a guy hits the portal thinking the grass will be greener um, and yeah. it's not there. The, the, the opportunities are not there, but it's, it's as much on this generation, put it in, you know, quotes, as it is the setup and this, the fact that, you know, there are programs out there who are actively recruiting guys on rosters to mm-hmm. enter the portal under their schools. And so it, it, you know, it kind of runs both ways, but if you're an OU fan, you've, you've got a coach who has proven it in the last two years. I mean, uh, that, that he's willing to at least embrace this for the sake of, of getting them up and running. And that's what mm-hmm. he's done. We know he doesn't want to build a program through the portal, but you look at just this year's team in this off season alone, 10 defenders who we saw on Saturday from the portal mm-hmm. on offense, uh, Andrew Anthony, Brennan Thompson will be out there. Walter Rouse, if you go back to last year, you're talking about McCade Matoyer, you're talking about Dylan Gabriel. They have built much of the spine of the team that you're going to see this year through the portal. And mm-hmm. can you imagine if, if they had, you know, if Brent had kind of kept that philosophy that, that Dabo seemed to have had at, at Clemson, we'd, we'd be probably having very different conversations about the heights that this team could reach this year, about where they're headed. Um, and I, I think it would be next to impossible for Oklahoma to be heading to the SEC in a year saying they're going to be competitive, but not hitting the portal that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think there should be some, I guess, I don't know about gratitude, but uh, again, I, I don't know how you'd feel if you're a Clemson fan today and you're, yeah. you're feeling as though your program's under the thumb of a guy who's done great things there, but doesn't seem all that ready to embrace the future. Yep. Uh, one more thing I'll say on the topic, something again that Venables alluded to is that, you know, there are different ways that 
you use the portal to your advantage if you're a coach. One is to um, fortify weaknesses. And that's kind of what's going on this year, right? I mean, the, the defensive line is a, is a classic example. He, he doesn't have uh, DJ Terry and, and Trace Ford and Rondell Bothroyd starting that game Saturday if, I don't think, if the D-line is in, was in, was a better, stronger part of his, of his, of his defense a year ago. It, and number two, out of necessity, if you get to, you know, and this sort of goes to Dion at Colorado, you arrive at a job and players have, have, fl- have fled uh, for one reason or another. Uh, he, he takes over for Lincoln Riley. Didn't matter that he said a lot of the right things when he took that job. Guys had sort of made up their minds, right? Caleb Williams, case in point. They were, they were going to either go with Lincoln out to SC or go elsewhere to play football. And so you, you've got to do something <laughs> to just fill spots on the depth chart. That's Dylan Gabriel. He's a, he's a pretty good something, pretty good quarterback. They go, but they go out and get Gabriel because Caleb Williams leaves. And so either way, what you want to hear, if, again, if you're an OU fan, is the coach being alert enough and not, stu- and not so stubborn that he, he, he's going to use the rules to his advantage. And that's, that's what Venables is, is on to, I think, right now at Oklahoma. One just quick Venables stat as we're talking about Clemson and all that came out after last night. Dabo Sweeney, 40-23 and 23 without Brett Venables as his defensive coordinator, as head coach of Clemson. With him, 121-17. and 17. Brent deserves a lot of credit for what he did with the defense there, of course. goes without saying. I'd yep. also say that that time coincided with Deshaun Watson, Trevor yep. Lawrence, yep. Uh, some of the finest running back talent that has come out of that university, some incredible wide receivers. So a lot of folks getting play out of that in Norman today, maybe a bit of selective, uh, some math there, but an interesting thing. But speaking of transfers, Walter Rouse. Mm -hmm. uh, Now, Garen, us in the media, we're pretty easy to win over, right? If you're like personable enough, (laughs) you'll, you have no problem getting some play from media members, you know, leaving an availability saying, Best interview on the team. Wow. Walter Rouse took it up to a, a new level last night. Uh, this is Stanford transfer, left tackle. Um, has really been a joy to talk to since he's arrived in, in January, but uh, he might have wrapped up the Media Cooperation Award in week week, week two last night, Garen, um, with a legendary session. Went like 35 minutes. Uh, wow. The topics covered. It wound up at, at a certain point. It was just me colleague Jenny Carlson, Ryan Aber from the Oklahoma, who we were just chatting. And at, at a certain point, I gave up on anything I wanted to ask him because we were the conversation was just good enough. Here's a list of the topics covered over in this session. This is not all of them. But we talked about Legos with Walter Rouse. We talked about okay. Star Wars, comic books, Maryland crabs. It's where he's from originally versus California, like Bay crabs, where he was at Stanford, chicken fried steak and, and a discovery he's quite enjoyed. Here I was going to say, Oklahoma. surely he had not eaten that uh, before he came to Oklahoma. No, but then this takes us to the next thing. Uh, his aspirations in the medical field, because chicken fried steak, you know, eat too many. You might need organ transplants, as he talked about. He, he'd like to get into that field. He's, he's done 3D printing stuff uh, with artificial organs at yeah. Stanford. Wow. Uh, he would like at some point to host a man versus food style show. Walter, <laughs> NIL, let's get this. You and me, we'll, we'll eat all over Oklahoma. Um, he did a blacksmithing internship at Stanford. This I knew about, but I need to learn more about. He told us about his fiance, who sounds perhaps even smarter and more accomplished than him, uh, or at least ahead on, on the degree schedule to get like a fourth or fifth degree. Things, Garen, you and me, we never 
even mm-hmm. considered. And then lastly, this is maybe the coolest anecdote of all and a, a string I'm going to tug on at some point. Walter Rouse's grandfather, Vic Rouse, was on the Loyola Chicago Ramblers 1963 and hit the game-winning shot against Cincinnati to win the 1963 national title. Wow, no kidding. And so we learned a whole lot. And, uh, you know, I, I know you appreciate this and maybe some folks out there will, but, you know, as in what we do every day as reporters, all we ever really are looking for are moments like that. Yeah. We can peel back the curtains on someone and, and opportunities come few and far between for a lot of reasons. But um, the reason I think this was such an enjoyable thing was not that he spent that time out there or anything like that, but that for 20 minutes there, I'd say we really just had a conversation yeah. with Walter and it, it was a joy. And it's one of the things in this job that I know you and I both really do enjoy when we get the chance. Yeah, Eli, one of the things you're going to hear a lot from me on, on this show and on the ones that I host at Sellout Crowd, Mind Games, by the way. Again, we're not above. We're, we're not above. You've got good. Uh, and or, you know, this is a topic I'll explore repeatedly as a, as a columnist. Um, these guys are people. Right. And, and it's not just players. It's coaches. I the best. You're right. The best interviews I've ever had as a sports writer, whether columnist, beat writer, whatever is are. There weren't interviews. There were conversations where you learn something about the person that you can present to the players fans so that the fans then see them as more than players, but people, because that's not happening enough, man. It just isn't. I mean, this point was driven home with a sledgehammer during the pandemic, whenever, you know, when everything, everyone was going crazy and uh, people were jumping all over each other and, 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 you know, just this tension and, you know, it was bad. Right. And then everyone came back to school to play football and uh, somewhere along the way, we, we needed to grasp the fact that this was a pretty heroic thing they were doing and to, to, to give themselves some relief, right? Because they were going through it same as everybody else, but also to give us, give us the public something to sort of enjoy, which is watching a football game. But I mean, it, it manifests itself when other things pop up and uh, it could be a social movement. It could be uh, it could be a, an election. It could be a, an issue related to the university that these guys attend or a class that they take. And you find out that they have the thought they have thoughts and ideas and, and opinions, same as everyone else. And it you know, that's where it should drive a stake into the stick to sports crowd. It, that should have been driven in a long time ago. But it, it's not just political, social and all that stuff. It's it's to me, stick to sports is denying these players the rights to present themselves as people right that's what this comes down to and so your session with walter rouse underscores the importance of windows into these guys that 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 show us who they are not how they play how they play is great how they play is cool made it eighty-five thousand fans in the stadium where i'm doing the show with you very happy saturday that's wonderful doesn't hurt though to get to know about the person as, as they leave the field or the stadium and go up, go about their weekend. Uh, and I think it does, uh, does that player a service to learn about the person because there, there are more dimensions than, than one. And we've got to land on that when it, when it comes to sports and college sports here in Oklahoma. It's beautifully put. And we, we really did learn a lot about Walter last night and beyond, you know, any of the, the fun topics, Legos, comic books, you know, he told a story about, um, an aunt he had um, who was born with Down syndrome was told, her, her mother was told, 
you know, she may have, you know, weeks to live. She lived to be 53 years old. Wow. Worked in the state department, held a job mm. there. And, you know, he explained that's one of his sources for smiling. Um, and he, and he was, it, that's how he put it. Um, you know, that she's a reason that he's always got a smile on his face and finding the good um, in the world. And, and so again, that's something I didn't know about Walter Rouse before I showed up there yesterday. Something I know now I've only got a million more questions and I'll apologize in no advance. Kidding. Uh, to the media communication staff at OU, I'll be putting his name on the <laughs> request list uh, from here on out, as long as he's uh, still here. But from a, a wholesome discussion to a wholly useless thing, we're going to play another game, Garen, of Gare in or Gare out this week. <laughs> uh, Interesting that you would choose the word useless when you come to the Garen segment of, of uh, the Letterman jacket. I love that. Thanks, well, thanks again for that, Sean. Useless, but, um, <laughs> you know. We're not point, point taken. It's all right. Uh, something that came up because he discussed it last night, curing cancer. We're not doing that here. Walter Rouse might someday. We are not curing cancer with this segment, but we're answering some hot questions. All right. Of course, got to answer if you were gear in or gear out. You, I didn't let you really elaborate on things last week. We had to keep it tight, but we got to get out of here eventually. Um, but feel free to offer some thoughts. So we're going to start here. An easy one. Gare in or gare out, OU offense to keep up a 73-point-per-game pace over the course of the 2023 season. Yeah, gare in. I mean, I, I, that, that, I think, is, is a done deal. I, again, come on, man. How about, how about let's reverse that. How about 37 points a game? That, that would do it. it. 37 points a game might take Oklahoma where uh, the fans want to see it go. Might. Just might. I like might. that. Although 73 would be a lot cooler. I don't know. 73. Uh, You're talking average. Yeah, yeah. You know, if this were 2018, 17, 16, yeah. 18 even, that was Kyler's year, right? 18? Yeah, that mm -hmm. was Kyler. I, I actually would consider it before I'd answer. But no, gear out. They're not doing 73. Maybe if they played Arkansas State every week. Uh, yeah. Now, it's only been one week, and it only was Arkansas State. But you gear in or you gear out on the Oklahoma defense in 2023. That's broad. But from what you saw, from from the feelings you're getting, it's vague. But I got to know: are you gear in, you gear out? How about a qualifier, gear in compared to last year, because again of the little things that I saw that I didn't see often enough a year ago. That's my bailout. That's a reasonable one. Now, Andrew Anthony saw some good stuff from him. Gear in, gear out. Him to finish as a top two, uh, top two in receiving yards for the Sooners this year. I'll go Garen for now. Yeah, I, I'll. Yeah, that's the yes, Garen. I can tease. I, I about right before we sat down here, I got off the phone with his dad. Um, so I'll have something interesting on him at selloutcrowd.com, Eli-Letterman.com. See, two can play at that game in the next <laughs> couple of days. But uh, what he really gives them a, that they had in Marvin Mims, that I think they have a bit of in Jaleel Farouk. But you know, if he's going to be the number one guy. They're going to need someone else. He's the take the top off the defense kind of guy, mm -hmm. and it took about three plays for us to see it with that 45-yard connection uh, with Dylan Gabriel. So I, I've got – his stock rose for me, certainly, uh, on Saturday. Fellow Booker T guy, you, you should know, Gentry Williams. Gare in or gear out on him as, as cornerback number two, the, the starting guy opposite uh, Woody Washington. Booker T guy, that answers your question. Gare in. Lovely. All right, we're going to – Go to the college football world at large now. Uh, SMU's moved to the ACC. Gear in, gear out. 
for the ACC or SMU? For SMU. Gare in. Yeah. How about for the ACC? Gare out. All right. Oklahoma State to have a quarterback start six-plus games this year. Oh. Gare in or Gare out? Wow. This yeah, this I I should have I should have done some deeper thought on that one. Six games, six starts for any of their quarterbacks. Any Oklahoma, Oklahoma or Oklahoma State? You said Oklahoma State. I said Oklahoma State. We're talking about Garrett Rangel, Alan Bowman, and Gunnar Gundy. Uh, Garrett. So you think they'll settle at some point on on somebody? Yeah, you're not you're not pinning me to a name. You're just nope. a number. Okay, Garrett. Uh, Texas Tech, gear in or gear out after a week one loss at Wyoming. No one should ever go up to Laramie again. It's a scary place. It's a place where Power Five teams get tripped up. I think we last week we brushed past Tech when we were talking about the Big Twelve as getting a, maybe a little too much attention. A little bit skeptical. Yeah, um, but so how about gear out based on the preseason hype they were getting? But I'd still gear in based on Wyoming. Again, I too small a sample size, so I wouldn't I wouldn't let anything that happened in Laramie think that all of a sudden the Red Raiders are going to go three and nine. Here's a tough one. We were both there in 2021 when Oklahoma State and Baylor met in the Big 12 title game. Gear in or gear out on kind of Dave Aranda and Baylor getting back to the, at least those heights. That was a day where we thought, you know, they those were two teams we felt they like could be the future of the Big 12. And two years later, not even uh, it feels a little bit different. Garen on the potential, right? The reality might be a different thing altogether, but between the chaos of the league, and I still think it could get chaotic. I, again, nothing in week one leads me to think otherwise about the Big 12, Eli. I think this thing's still up for grabs. Um, so it's it's the chaos of the conference, even as it stands now. But when you remove Oklahoma and Texas beginning next year and you throw it into even more turmoil and, and you know, carnival, I, I still believe enough in Aranda as a coach to think Baylor's going to be a player. Gear in, gear out, Colorado, college football playoff. <laughs> and I'll preface this by saying, do you believe, do you believe, as Dion so eloquently asked over the weekend? Do you believe? You know, the coach, I believe in a, in, a, in a coach, but he's fictional, and he, and he coaches the other football. And you know who I'm talking about, right? The, your, your, your boy over there at Richmond, oh, AFC Richmond. Oh, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso yeah. could do it. That's I. Yeah, I believe in Ted Lasso. I'm not ready to believe in Dion as a massive success story again after one week. I think it's cool, and I get I get the excitement because I think it's good for college football. But mm-hmm. uh, for now, it's it's gear out. We'll finish here. They were your C, one of your CFP picks, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, but feeling pretty gear in about Florida State after that performance against LSU. Well, gear out on the team I did pick to go to the playoff. That's LSU. I wish I'd chosen the Seminoles. I am gear in on the Seminoles uh, because they uh, started pushing LSU around. Not it wasn't just uh, you know uh, Johnny Wilson or the uh, the transfer from Michigan State who caught the three touchdown passes. Keon Coleman. Was, Keon Coleman, right? Is that right? That's mm-hmm. what you were telling me. Um, it was what they did at the line of scrimmage. But um, I'm a little bit more worried about LSU than I am excited about Florida State since the Tigers were my dark horse uh, SEC pick to go to the playoff instead of Georgia and Alabama. Florida State's really good. And when we're talking about transfers, they've really hit maybe that sweet spot. And they, yeah. they looked out on guys who decided to come back, and that I'm sure helped in the portal. Right. 
They've got some of their own guys. They've got some guys who started elsewhere and are now falling out uh, in Tallahassee. They are quite impressive. And given how Clemson looked last night, you, you kind of maybe start to wonder who, who can even really hang with them in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Too early to, to punt on anybody, but uh, opening salvo, Florida State impressed. Clemson left a lot to be desired. Uh, LSU the same. Brian Kelly, big games, any concerns? That seems to have followed him from South Bend. Yeah, I, I'm more concerned with what I saw on the field than on the sideline, if I'm an LSU fan. Mm. Put it that way. Well, Garen, that's going to wrap it for us. You're uh, you're just hanging at red, overlooking Owen Field in Norman. I'm still here, Eli, from Venable's press conference. In fact, the goal right now is to just stay here until kickoff at, on Saturday at 5 o'clock. I don't think anyone will notice if I just stay here. I can imagine so. They, I mean, there, there's plenty of concession. Uh, well, I was say, there's that fridge of high noons that's open. I know you can. Well, and I'm not, yeah, I'm not above breaking a window or two also to get after <laughs> Get after something, okay. <laughs> Just doing some. <laughs> well, that's a, that's not a misdemeanor though. Breaking a window at a university property is that a misdemeanor? That's campus police. They'll let you off. Campus police. That's a warning. Yeah, <laughs> sellout crowd would pay my ticket. I'm sure. If if I'm uh, you're gonna have to check with the K man on that one. But we're gonna wrap it there, Karen. We'll report back next week on on your stay and whether or not you have any run-ins with campus police. But It's been the Letterman Jacket. It will remain the Letterman Jacket. You can find us, as always, Spotify, Apple, uh, YouTube, anywhere you get your podcasts. You can find us. And shoot, Garen, we launched last Friday at Sellout Crab. This is our first full game week, and we are chock full of content. Um, We had some really fantastic columns this morning. You you wrote about Arizona State, where OSU is headed this week. Uh, Barry Trammell wrote about Dirk Cutter and his little dalliance with Oklahoma State in the past, Jenny Carlson kind of compared the the differences between Dylan Gabriel and Jackson Arnold in 2023 with Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler a few years back. I've got some stuff going. The Hutchins brothers have stuff going. We got a lot going on at Sellout Crowd, so please uh, visit the site, follow along, join the crowd. 